When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Buzz! 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 Welcome in to Total... Ralphie Radio, I think is the official name now. We are a Ralphie Report podcast, um, and we talk about everything we need to talk about regarding Colorado athletics forever and always. Um, as Sam and I mentioned prior, we are now responsible for downloads and listens. So let me just get this out of the way. Bronny James, Deion Sanders, Bronny James, and Deion Sanders. And now that we're done with that, um, we can get to what we actually want to talk about this year, which is the CU basketball Um season how how it went and um i guess more importantly that the program's future as well as uh near the end um so we will bring in a familiar guest a comfortable guest um and a, a welcome guest once again we talked to him before the season and during the season now that's after the season why not do it again um now he is now officially a a ralph report all-star please welcome back benjamin burrows welcome rumbling buff hey thanks uh good to be here guys i am very excited to talk about 2023 2024 let's move past 2022 2023 uh let's more or less forget it ever happened let's move on to the future i'm excited um and this is part of your press tour for this final four that you're rocking on twitter is that right yeah and uh more likely the people who hear this will uh hear it after the polls close but yeah yeah the final four for uh uh, the uh, the number one CU Twitter fan account, I guess. Um, yep. I'm very proud to have gotten this far, but uh, it's starting to look like this will be the end of the road. Uh, have been teasing that I would uh, blow up my Mel Tucker bobblehead if we uh, <laughs> if uh, I was somehow able to win the entire tournament. Looks like Mel is going to be safe, uh, which is a mm-hmm. disappointment. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, uh, but nonetheless, I appreciate everyone who has voted for me uh, throughout the entirety of the tournament. Uh, it's very humbling to have gotten this far. I have voted for you, and you're welcome. I appreciate you. Uh, that voice you just heard is Sam, one of the co-hosts. Oh, hey. uh, I am Jack, one of the other co-hosts. Um, and, and like I mentioned, we are going to be um, discussing the basketball program at length in in this episode. You know, I, I this is off the cuff, but I'm also just thinking maybe this is just biased, but I feel like we're talking about basketball more as a program now than we were like two, three, four years ago. I don't know why I feel like that, but it definitely feels like there's more options now to like actually discuss at length um, the basketball program and like how we feel as opposed to a lot of people just saying fire Tad because the skier Booker didn't make the tournament. Um, and those people still exist and they are loud right now. But um, I don't know. It feels like it's been consistent enough that the discourse has, has gotten better. Um, 
but once again, maybe that's just that's just confirmation bias. I don't know. I don't know how you guys to feel your about point. That. It, it's certainly a more mature program. I mean, we're talking about if you're talking about comparing it to football. Football's yeah. been really bad for 15 years, uh, short of one explosive season in 2016. Um, we hope now with uh, with Prime coming and to get your numbers up, Prime, Prime, Prime. Uh, but um, <laughs> we hope now that there's a turn for the better uh, and a permanent turn for the better. We hope that. Uh, but mm-hmm. basketball is a mature program. I mean, we, we have over a decade now of, you know, success. Uh, mm-hmm. And while this past season wasn't living up to standards, that's a good thing. We had good standards for it to live up to. If we yeah. had won four games on the gridiron last year, that might have been considered a good season. <laughs> um, so, uh, so, yeah, to your point. I think it's uh, I think there's more mature conversations to be had about a more mature program in terms of its development, in terms of its life. Um, yeah, I, I guess we I guess we've all moved past and maybe that 21 NCAA tournament season helped. But I feel like we moved past the point of just like, is he, you know, the the bill, Rodney Bill's recruiting years have cycled through. Is Tab Boyle done? Can we recruit? And now that recruiting is in a good spot um, and and. Like you said, standards have been raised. Where an eighteen and seventeen team is disappointing. Um, it, it it feels like a, a, a more detailed conversation is in order. Um, and and speaking of detailed conversations, we went two hours in before the season with you and also Will Whalen. Shout out um, before the 2022-23 season to, to check where our expectations were, what we thought of this team, and where it could go. Um, and I, I do want to applaud you and Will for being pretty on the money in terms of win um guess i believe you were in the mid to high teens range and will was a little bit lower in the like 16 17 18 range um so congratulations i think sam and i were both a touch higher than that at least i was a touch higher than that um i was uh, less than 20 okay yeah i think i was right around that 20 to 19 win range um all of us had this as a almost tournament team um, and sitting at 18 and 17 overall, eight and 12 in conference and, uh, getting bounced out of the second round of the NIT. Um, I guess I'll say we kind of got close outside of, outside of two just horrific points in my, in my opinion, which we can talk about in detail later. Um, I, I think that's kind of where this team ended up was a, an almost tournament team. Kempom has them landing right around that 70 range. I think 75 range, Sam, you have it up maybe. Yeah. 71. Okay, um, which is near the bubble, I would I think, um, unless you're Rutgers, I guess. Um, and yeah, I it, it, at the end, it, it's another winning season for Dab, Tab Boyle. He's now only had I one think, losing season. I think you're and go ahead. overselling. I think you're overselling the proximity to the NCAA tournament. I don't think we sniffed the bubble even Actually, got close. Uh, we didn't sniff the like discussion of the bubble. Yeah. But- one or two wins go. Uh, one or two games go differently throughout the season. I'm right. talking about the four games we lost to teams in the Kempom 150. Yep. Block. Okay. You flip two of those, we're right there because yeah. our our profile as it was at the end of that game against UCLA in Las Vegas, we're 58th yeah. in Kempom. Um, I had throughout the season. I never really talked about this. I played around on Bartorovic, which allows you yeah. to adjust things and move things. Hey, what if we won this game or what if we had lost that game? Uh, and I played around with that a couple times, and I changed two games, and all of a sudden we're in his tournament. Well, now we're a last, oh. game, but we're still in his tournament. Um, and those would yeah. be Cal and UMass. 
Uh, uh, Grambling and Cal, right? Actually, Grambling ended up not being that bad of a loss. Which Conference champ. There, there are there are fourth worst loss. Um, yeah. Massachusetts, okay. Cal, and Oregon State were all worse than them. So I if forgot. you okay, yeah. flipped, Oregon State, oh my god, I forgot. I blanked yeah. that game. Yeah, if you would have flipped Cal and Oregon State, our profile isn't that bad. Plus, that win against Tennessee does a lot. Yeah, it does a lot of weight in terms and the of demolition of A and M. I would imagine just yeah, yeah. Those two, those two wins carried a lot of weight. Now we didn't have much past that, but even wins over Arizona State on the road. I mean, that looked good. That looked that was a good win. Um, Oregon at home, another good win. Um, like it wasn't complete. It wasn't a profile completely devoid of life. And particularly if we had scalped UCLA or USC in that final week, all of yeah. a sudden we would have been in that range to be talked about. Now, did, were we a tournament team? God no. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but but profile wise, it wasn't too far off. Well, Sam, we talked. I, I about didn't even. This. We had we like two what? teams in the tournament, right? Like we just in, in terms of when we were picking brackets. I liked like four teams and they all. Oh, yeah. Like no, I was about to like say immediately. So I was wrong. Yeah. But, you know. Yeah. Like... Thanks for the bracket help. <laughs> um, but I was going to say like, <laughs> like, like maybe, maybe we could have been on the bubble, but I think it's like it was a weak year for college yeah. basketball. Like the bubble teams just weren't that good. Um, I didn't even realize that we were going to make the NIT until we got announced. Because we got a, as a top we got three a seed. seed. Yeah, we got a good Yeah, seed. no, no, that was a surprise to me. I didn't even think that, that that was going to happen. Like, I, I didn't quite well, understand. Well, and like, to be just, fair, a lot of teams did say no. There was a lot of teams that just completely okay. destroyed themselves in the end of the year and said no. Dayton said no. UNC said no. Yeah. Um, a few of the other ones. I don't ones, know what so. happened at Dayton. All their players Well. I, yeah, Anthony Grant is going to do a full rebuild, and this is like his last year, his last chance, which is interesting given where he was when CU played the Um Yeah, because he had like literal NBA buzz. Uh, yeah, well, and, and he he done it before at Bama and was okay there too. So I, yeah. Anyways, yeah. um, we're not talking about Dane. Um, yeah, the end of the well, year, not yet. We'll we'll talk about them later. One 18, Lost to Utah Valley at home, who then ended up losing to UAB in the final four of the NIT to end the season. Winning season is secure. The 20 win mark, however, was elusive. Um, and I think this team passed the 2014 team. Well, I shouldn't say that. This team passed the Derek White senior year team. Was definitely the most frustrating experience I had watching CU basketball. Um, so I, I guess I'll leave that into our segment of uh, what went wrong mm-hmm. this year or our least favorite parts of this year's team. Um, and I, I, I found them frustrating to watch. Yeah. And there, there's a number of things that I take for granted with this program that this, that this season really didn't fulfill on. Um, you know, we talked about the four losses to bad teams. Typically Tad maybe has one, uh, bad loss this year. We had four, we had four Mm -hmm. losses that more or less were inexcusable. Each one of them, uh, none of them were at home, uh, but, Grambling on the road, awkward game. Yes, they were better this year than expected. Yes, uh, but you can't lose that. UMass yeah. had a terrible season, two hundred twelfth in Ken Palm or whatever. Can't lose to that team. No excuse there. And if you win that game, based on how the bracket worked out, you're probably winning that tournament down in uh, down in South Carolina. Oregon yeah. State garbage. No excuse <laughs> to losing to them. And Cal, oh my God, it's a hand marked fox <laughs> a gift. Like that win going out the door, 
Um, again, inexcusable, absolutely inexcusable. I don't care yeah. when the game is played. I don't care what the situation is. You can't be losing that team. So, and also like to come back like they did the second they started trying. Yeah, they didn't start trying for thirty five minutes. Yeah, that was horrible. Yeah, and and you know on top of that, four home conference losses. And that's the second straight year we've had that. Mm. Yeah, The idea of the CEC as this fortress is starting to get some chinks in the armor. And more to that point, the crowd just wasn't good night in, night yeah. out. Um, the, it was it was kind of kind of crappy. This is a bad crowd most nights. And that's a problem. That's a that's a program problem. Yeah. Uh, that's a that's a Colorado basketball fan problem. Like that's something I can address, <laughs> I can address by going mm-hmm. there and being into the games and things like that. That's you know uh, the listeners to uh, to this podcast. They, you can address showing up to the game and and being into it and and trying to help the team win. Four conference losses. That's inexcusable. We can't have that many uh, if we're ever going to compete uh, for you know top flight Pac-12 uh, yeah little, little teams. Realistically, other stuff that really kind of drove me nuts this year. You know, tenth tenth out of twelve offenses in Pac-12. Uh, our you know worst three point shooting effort since 2014, worst free throw shooting effort since 2013. Um, you know part of that is injuries. We had a lot of injuries this year. Uh, injuries to two starters and a key rotational six man down the stretch. Uh, but throughout the year, injuries never really helped, and because of that, there was some fit issues. Um, but more to your point, Jack, like why did this season feel bad? Team yeah. chemistry was off. It was yeah. it didn't fit, didn't work. Uh, there's very clearly a leadership void that maybe some people were fighting over. Maybe see, some people were trying to be that leader. You know, like Gabadon, I think tried as a, you know Gabadon right as incoming senior transfers. I think tried, uh, but there was very clearly a, a lack of leadership in the team, um, and I think some dudes just kind of checked out, and that that's not good. You can't have that. That's bad. <laughs> Um, to your name, point about coin flips, names are we, are we gonna wait off air for that? We're gonna, well, I, we can talk about that when we look at uh personnel later, transfers in and out potentially, but um, yeah. Uh, Sam, any any thoughts about what went wrong past what we just heard there? Do you mostly agree? Um, I mean, yeah, um, also that. The wings, as we've talked about a lot of times, like the wings just were not good enough. Nope. Um, they didn't hit shots. They didn't play consistent defense. They didn't make smart, snappy decisions when they got the ball. Yeah. Um, it made everybody's jobs harder, especially KJ Simpson. Um, oh, and until Ethan Wright in the uh, last four games of the year, yeah. he made smart, snappy yeah. decisions from time to time. Yep. He decided yep, to shoot. Yep, yep, yep. I was going to talk about Ethan. Ethan had four straight games. The last four games of his career, he was over 100 in in offensive rating. The kid closed well. And Mm -hmm. the the taste in my mouth of Ethan Wright, and and I dogged him a little bit in the last podcast we did. Like Mm -hmm. The taste in my mouth of him leaving, it's like, oh, yeah, he had an all right year. And that's not where he was (laughs) a month ago. Yeah. 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 Uh, We sang his praises last pod. But, like, I, I basically said, like, he was what we needed him to be all year like at the end like he he is what we needed from that wing and like i'm i'm so i'm really happy he turned it on at the end i well um, i'll tell you yeah. i guess this will be something that we might talk about what went right but it is too small for that i was not expecting him to be such an incredible finisher at the rim but that oh, yeah. dude is really good at finishing at the rim um really good at layups i always thought he'd get smacked and it never got blocked um 
yeah, so to your point about coin flip games too, four home losses, UCLA and USC, you kind of expect the USC just dumped on CU and you never like to see that. That was a horrible game, just yeah. generally. That was CU. rock bottom. Just the complete USC no show. However, like that, that was checkout. Like yeah. the yeah. Okay. dudes I saw that just had nothing going on in in yeah. effort in their pro in their mental process that game that that was full on mental checkout. Yeah, I uh, I I will say the other two losses are Washington and a very close one, which you have to win that. It shouldn't even be close, but yeah. it was a close loss. And then ASU on a buzzer beater, um, in in early December. Another one where, like, if those flip the other way four points, you're looking at a 20 and 10 or 20 win team with 10 conference wins. And that's not even talking about Cal or Oregon State. So, yeah, those home losses add up and you cannot lose four times at home. Like you said, if you expect to be a top half pack bowl team. Um, yeah, I, I think, Sam, the last thing I'll say in terms of what went wrong for me is I think the roles were just messed up this year. I guess that's now that I've mm. thought about it a lot, that's like the concise way I have to put it. Javon Hadley, I love Javon Hadley. He should not be playing 30-plus minutes a night, I don't think, on a contending Pac-12 team and expected yeah. to do what he does, you know? Um, I, I, I mean, I would say – go ahead. Go ahead uh, I might push back on that a little bit in terms of – I think he's he's talented enough to be in the Pac-12. He's maybe a little undersized, yes. but we played him out of position, right? We were playing him as a three. Right. Or we needed him to be more of a three uh, to complement Tristan, and he just wasn't capable of doing that. You know, he can't take an outside shot. Um, or at least yeah. he didn't this year, maybe he can. He just didn't show it. Um, you know, <laughs> he's good enough rebounder to do the to do the job as a four. Uh, but when you had Lawson and him on the court at the same time, that's that's not a good recipe. Uh, you know, if we wanted to play small with him as the four and Tristan as the five, or vice versa, I think that might have worked a little bit better. Uh, yeah. But but you know, having we had way too many guys. To your point, we had way too many guys on the court at the same time who couldn't stretch the court. And so everything yeah. kind of thumbed up, uh, and uh, and ultimately, I think that's part of why it felt like a fit issue. Um, and towards the end of the season, Hadley's injured, right? He's off, and that kind of more streamlined things in terms of, all right, now we've got got we're forced to play these seven dudes, and there it's a little bit more of a balanced package, and that's why you saw a little bit more balance offensively towards the end of the season. Yeah, I. I... I really like Javon Hadley. I think I would love Javon Hadley at like 20 minutes a game, either on the bench, on, on the starting or off the bench, just pure energy and junk and hustle, all everything we love him for anyways. But um, I think there's a problem when Tad Boyle's expecting him. He needs more minutes from him because there's other places on the team that he's just not getting what he needs from that. So to Sam's point, I think the wing, the two through four was just kind of a weird revolving door disaster for a lot of the year. Um, and that as a streamline got better, but, um, you know, Javon Ruffin got hurt. He couldn't do some of those minutes, you know, um, Nick Clifford was just unreliable at best. Um, Julian Hammond is more of like a point guard, you know, you can't, it's just weird fit. And then Wright and Gabadon weren't that Gabadon was hurt half the year. Wright couldn't be, in, you know, there was just not good options there. I think it just led to weird role issues and, um, wasn't fun to watch a lot. And of the time. Yeah. Could you speak on what you've seen from Hammond's? As a sixth man versus as a starter, because like he has massive splits in terms of ben. stats. I'm, I'm sure. I yeah, I haven't looked at the splits specifically, but in my mind's eye, yeah, there's certainly a difference between him as a as a backup and him as the lead. Uh, when KJ goes out injured, his turnover rate goes down. 
Yeah. His mm-hmm. three-point shooting goes up. Um, his offensive rating goes up. Um, you know, overall, his effectiveness in the, in the offense goes up. I don't know if our performance in Vegas is as good as it was if it was KJ leading the offense as opposed to uh, Julian, for example. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's not to slight KJ, but just who they are and how they play against the zone, I think it ended up working out well for us in that moment. Um, so, yeah, my, my mind's eye, and this is sort of a, a similar issue. We go back uh, a couple years ago when um, uh, uh, when Key, when Keyshawn, uh, Bartholomew yeah. was spelling McKinley right. If Keyshawn was looking over his shoulder because he knew Kim was about to come back in the game, he played like crap. Yeah. If mm-hmm. McKinley is out either injured or, you know, is with foul trouble or whatever, and, and Key was like, all right, this is my ball, I'm fine, he would play pretty well. Um, so it's almost like a similar situation where as a starter, uh, Hammond was much more effective in, for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm just trying to. I'm trying to wonder. Like, I I've been thinking about this, and I still don't understand it. Like, if you have that sixth man role and you're a combo guard, and you and you're playing twenty something minutes a game, like that's a decent amount, and most of that time you get the ball. I just don't quite get. I think it's because I like the mentality of the sixth man, of just go out there and you're you are the offense while you're on the floor. Um, but I'm I'm having a hard time like understanding why he struggles as that bench spot and and like is there more to that mentality of watching the other guy coming in? I I would imagine it has to do with rhythm and feel. Um, okay. You're coming into a game and you're trying to catch up to the biorhythm. Oftentimes, as a six man, uh, particularly in Tad's offense, particularly early in the game, you're playing with the twos as opposed to the ones because he yeah. rotates early like that. You know he goes. He very quickly goes to the bench after the first media, um, and he, he rotates through his eight or nine or however many he's going to play that night. So that might be part of it. He's playing with the twos as opposed to the ones. Um, rhythm and feel would be another. You're coming off the bench. Are you? Do you hit right away? Not that sort of thing. Um, Julian always struck me as taking more chances when he's mm. coming off the bench. Um, so that might be a perspective thing. Like, okay, I want to I want to make a mark on the game kind of thing. So maybe that's part of it. Um, what in my mind, what who's a who's a good you know six man, seventh man kind of thing? It's all about energy. I look at a guy like Luke O'Brien, right? Like, like that's the kind of guy I'm thinking of, and it's not a point guard. You need a second point yeah. guard. Your sixth man, quote unquote, shouldn't be your backup point guard, at least in my perspective. Your sixth okay, man, I think of it more like a wing. Okay, I, I, I think I come from like the like the Monte Morris Nuggets backup point guard type of. Okay, sure. Thinking where I like I like that second guy who can come in, be a, another ball handler, and well, be kind of a two guard who can shoot. What? I, I Monte more. That's a weird to me. That's weird because it's like I know isn't he third point guard really. Like isn't what? it Jokic then Murray then oh. Morris? <laughs> point center. Um, I mean, I I could have picked a different player, but like I was thinking more just like I could pick Tyus Jones. That's a good. That's a good one. Um, but I, th- I think I think we might be getting in the weeds a little bit too much, too early. And that's my bad. To me, it I, I think I like the six man is what like the stay ready guy, right? Where he just comes in and he's him no matter what. And I feel like Hammond has to like settle in into a game. Yeah. If that makes sense. Okay. Like it feels a lot more like 
if you give him a little bit of time, he can figure out where people are going. Then, you know, in, in that Pac-12 tournament, he was throwing like dimes. And there was, I remember that we talked about it in the Washington game that pass to Ethan Wright, where Ethan Wright blew the layup. And I thought, see, he was going to lose. I was like, that's an, that's, that's an incredible pass. He's an incredible pick and roll operator. And I think it just takes him a little bit to like figure out where everyone is on the court speed wise. Um, okay. I don't know. In a weird twist of fate, you're never going to put KJ off the bench. But like KJ is a good example of like, he's going to do him no matter what. You give him five minutes, he's going to do the same thing he does in 30 minutes, right? Like, mm-hmm. there's no difference in how he plays. I was also going to ask Ben, um, how do you make sense of KJ's performance in conference play? In terms of? Cause it, Did it drop? It was, oh, I mean, yeah, pretty, pretty significantly, but. Part of uh, that was well let's put numbers to it, Sam. What are you saying? Sorry, let me let me my my uh computer's freaking out, so I'm trying to get it together. Do you want me to give you numbers from Ken Palm? Would that help you? No, no, I'm stat reference has better conference. His numbers did go down. Um I his part of it efficiency is efficiency went down. Yeah, efficiency really went down uh by by about eight points. Um usage was more or less the same. Assist rate was more or less the same. Realistically, what is the difference here? Uh, he couldn't hit a three-pointer in conference. He shot <laughs> mm-hmm. 17 of 80 from, as I'm looking at it right now, 17 Ooh. of 80. <laughs> oh, boy. He shot 21% from three in conference. Uh, that That's the difference. If he's making if he's making 30% of those, our perspective of him in conference play is completely different. If he made what he did in non-conference and conference play, our perspective is completely different. So uh, that that's that's the key difference. Last year, he was 27%. This year, he was 21% in conference. Um, and, I mean, even that last year is not good. No. <laughs> uh, so the, the three-point shot continues to be the, the big question mark with KJ um, mm-hmm. because his teammates couldn't take that, that, you know, pressure off of him. Like he was taking, he was the only one taking threes for a number of games because no one else wanted to take them. Um, and 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 ultimately, I think that kind of cascades, right? If there was a little bit less pressure on him to make those threes, like maybe that's different because he was one of the few people who could create his own shot. Uh, yeah, he took three less threes than Tristan De Silva did, and Tristan De Silva shot forty one percent from three in conference. That's yeah, well, my other not good. concern <laughs> with him was that, well, I know he was dealing with the ankle injury. Um, and again, like the lack of wing play really hurt him, especially when Pac-12 opponents adjusted um, and kind of game plan to take him out. Um, but I'm, I am a little concerned moving forward that on his off shooting nights, he kind of just keeps shooting and tries to get out of. He has to though. That that's okay. that's his style. Like a shooter, like a shooter score, like that that, and that's his mentality. Yeah. He's okay. got to shoot out of it. And and there's some there's some dudes that I've I've seen, uh, you know, like that's how they have to operate. Uh, yeah, you know, and and if he if he became gun shy, that's almost even worse. Because okay. now you, yeah. as defend as a defender, don't need to worry about him if he's if he's cold and checks out like Neek, right? Like Neek would, if he misses the first couple shots, he checks out. And he's not going to take that shot anymore. Then you don't have to worry about him defensively. Um, it never becomes a problem. Kind of going back to it. Okay, so we we, we I, I finally found the, the numbers I was looking for. Tristan Da Silva, right? 
you yeah. just brought up really efficient score, right? Yeah. And he very clearly was the best offensive player on the team. Best number, certainly. Um, assist percentage, number of his uh, three-point attempts that were assisted, 87%. Number mm. of uh, KJ's uh, three-pointers that were assisted, about 60%. 60%. <laughs> so he's got to create his own shot more often than Tristan does. Yeah. Tristan catch and shoot, whereas KJ's got to create. So that's the difference. Um, and, and he just couldn't find the shot and that, and that's the difference. He becomes easier to guard if he's, if he's not one, taking the shots and then two, not making them. Yeah. It did remind me of a Dion waiters quote of I'd rather go Oh, for 18 than Oh, for four, because Oh, yeah. for four means I lost confidence. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I, I guess I want to push back on this perception of KJ a little bit. I thought he did yeah. a good job improving this year of when he realized, um, it wasn't necessarily his night to start. He, he would go to the rack, and that's where we all know. I think that he's really good is is getting in as soon as possible in the, in the lane. Um, the and I thought I really he did a want, good job doing that. The other first. thing I really want to applaud KJ for he he cut his turnover rate almost in half. Um, he like he made some much better decisions this year year over year from from his freshman year. He showed a lot of development there, so definitely want to applaud him for that as well. This is a good what went my transition. Um we, we took a we took a tiny bit of what I was talking about there. Um, but I guess I want to start with Sam. I know we just mentioned this, Sam, but um what went right for you this year? What would, what was fun to watch for you this year? <laughs> oh, um, I'm trying to like like to to not recycle my old answers to this, but I'll, I'll try my best. Um, well, the Silva's emergence as a go-to scorer mm-hmm, mm-hmm. was great for, for me personally, because I, I just love his game. So I just love to just see him do his weird little drives. I wish he would be a little bit more aggressive and I wish he would, uh, try a little bit harder on defense. Um, <laughs> I was very happy with Luke O'Brien going balls to the wall. Um, I think that he adds a certain tenacity to the team that they just didn't really have. Javon Ruffin was great when he played. It's just, I don't know how much he plays. Um, and yeah, like the KJ scoring barrages when he was on were fantastic. And it, it was, it's good to see him grow like immature as a natural point guard. Cause it was a big adjustment for him to take that. Um, and this was a transition year for him going from sixth man to starter. Um, that's kind of, that's kind of where I'm at. And then Ethan writes, last four games that was a nice little bright spot to end the year yeah if we're talking about like what was fun about this year you know tristan was fun i i enjoyed mm-hmm. watching tristan particularly the second half of the season uh luke fun down the stretch luke was fun to watch mm-hmm. you you know it said balls of the wall like he is a fun player to watch when when he's when he's locked in uh mm-hmm. KJ, mm-hmm. fun player like there, there's some fun pieces to this program still uh, and just because we had a dour year, I don't want to completely look past that. Like there was some fun to be had. Um, you know, we also had some really nice wins. Like, you know, we talked about it before A&M, Tennessee, like we kept Dana from w- beating Tad and Boulder. Like that's, that's fun. I, I had fun that night. Uh, I had fun, you know, watching us beat Washington and and send uh, uh, M- Mike Hopkins out with his rolled up sleeves, all, all despondent and all that. Like that was fun mm-hmm. to me. Yeah. Uh, the UCLA I, I, loss was fun too. Yeah, like I was going to bring that up. Like we fought yeah. to the end. So we talked about rock bottom, that USC game, absolute rock bottom. We fought hard against UCLA the the next, uh, you know, two nights later. 
We fought hard against UCLA in the tournament. Um, <clears> you know, we we bad ball, baby. You know, Utah, like like the Utah game at home. I thought we were gonna, I, I thought that was a terrible match. Skeleton crew, man. And we punched it with skeleton crew, we punched him in the mouth. Um, mm. you know, the, the team showed backbone in the final couple games of the season. Uh, yeah, you know, Utah Valley, that was a real tough matchup for us. And, you know, I saw that coming a mile away. Uh, but, um, <laughs> but, but, you know, even beating a Seton Hall at home, like that's a tough team. And the uh, Buffs showed a lot of spine in making sure we got that win at home over Seton Hall. I'll, so I will also team. attest, I did see on Twitter before that Utah Valley game, I, I can confirm that you were. Yeah, I was like, uh, guys, you may you may want to run the book <laughs> on this one. You may want to, you want to, money money is money is on the table to be made tonight, guys. Who's uh, excited but, to see uh, Trey Trey Woodbury at Cal next year? Huh? Now that no. Mark Hatton's there, no, I don't want to lose to them again. Sixty-year uh, senior, God. man. Please, God. Um, the, I mean, this all boils down to this. Like, ultimately, we had a really good defense this year. We had a really good rebounding team this year. And so from someone who has grown to really love defense and rebounding, uh, yeah. you know, we were number 31 in the country, number two in the in the Pac-12 in defense, defensive efficiency. And we were number one in the Pac-12 in rebounding, defensive rebounding. And we were number one in the Pac-12 with defending the three. Like, okay, you can build on that. That's foundation. So going into next year, got to have the same mentality, got to have the same focus. Now just tighten up some things offensively, find a couple shooters, you're golden. And that's after they slumped kind of at the end of the year, yeah. too. And that's a slump. I mentioned, yeah, they, they were much higher earlier. Yep. Yeah, they were like 18th best defense for like a lot of the season. Mm-hmm. Like legit elite unit. While we um, were playing a more up-tempo style, too. There was more possession yeah. in the game, and yet we were we were still a crazy uh, efficient defense. Um, I am dubious to see if that, that continues, given obvious changes, um, but we shall see. Um, I guess I'll finish like up what? with with no, not yet. Uh, with what I liked, I think we all just agreed. You know, Luca Bryan, lots of boards emerging at the end of the year. Um, just the classic. That's just that's just gonna be a tab oil cries at a senior day guy now. Like that's just a guy that Tad's just gonna love. That's pure. You know, he was recruited as a shooting point guard that was kind of big, and now he's just like the six eight monster who just just you know is annoying to play against because he's going to fight you for every single board every single time. And that's fun to watch. Um, and, you know, he has he has passion, which I really like. I think KJ brings that. I think Luke O'Brien brings that a lot. I don't I'm not sure about anyone else that we watch a lot on this team, but it's it's fun. You know, Luke O'Brien gets up for himself and his teammates. Um, and it's hard to remember this far back. But similarly, I I was not expecting what I saw of Javon Hadley. And I love what I saw, you know. Um, just little throwing junk at the board, little floaters that go in for no reason, weird left hooks and just physical, um, rim running on secondary fast breaks. That was like, that works like 80% of the time. If you remember that in the non-con, um, I don't know. It, it's, it was a fun hustle play. I was not expecting. Um, and then another guy we barely talked about. I do want to talk a little bit about, even though he's having knee surgery, Javon Ruffin is, is exactly who I'd want to be a third or fourth guard on any team. Um, he's so calm to me. I never felt like it was out of control when he had the ball and defensively better than I thought. We, we um, also on the, good, we, we, we talked about how good Hammond was down the stretch when he became the starter. Like there was a point where Ruff was taking his minutes. Yep. Um, yeah. And, and I was, I was just absolutely heartbroken, uh, when, when Ruff got injured because he was, he was really coming on and, um, you know, haven't heard 
too much about it other than it's pretty serious injury. But the number of injuries he's had, you, you start thinking about, all right, is, does, does a decision need to be made here? Like, does he need to start thinking about, you know, life after basketball? Um, you know, mm-hmm. you know, hey, that's between him and his doctor and his family. But, you know, I'm, I'm worried about him because, mm-hmm. um, you know, that, that's tough when you start racking up those those injuries. One of two players on the team who shot better than 35% from three, by the way. Just, just oh. one of two. Um, um, also, a note on the free throw shooting that you mentioned earlier. Um, pretty much all the players coming back are good to great free throw shooters. Um, we had a 42% who's leaving, a 53% who's leaving, and then I guess a 0% who's leaving. Oh, oh no, 50%. God. Did Quincy not two. take one? 53%. Quincy Allen took two and he was 50%. Okay. Yeah. Nick Nick was, 53. was 53%. That, wow. Um, mm-hmm. Okay. That, there's a segue. So, um, <laughs> Tad Boyle um, signed three high schoolers in the early signing period. We will talk about Cody Williams later. There's another SEO hit. Um, Cordy Anderson, of course, and um, Asane Jup, uh, who's a local big man. Um, we only had two departing seniors that we knew of um, at the end of the year. So Ethan Wright and Jalen Gavadon, one-year CU buffs, but they are still forever buffs. Both grad transfers are leaving. Their eligibility is exhausted. Um, three more players left. I think we were expecting two. I think Nick Clifford was an expected transfer, and he is transferring out to, to hopefully greener pastures. Um, and Quincy Allen is also transferring out after two years of not much going on there for him. Um, hope he gets to play some more minutes. Um, and then there's an unexpected transfer, um, one that I think affected all of us and hurt all of us, Lawson Lovering, um, who some people deride, um, some people praise, also uh, announced his intent to transfer and immediately found his – he's the only one that had found a landing spot, um, which was Utah, um, which doubly hurts. So yeah. before – yeah, I, I don't want to talk too much about Lawson. Yeah, and let's he- just talk – go ahead. Oh, I was going to talk about Lawson. Well, I just want to mention Tad's comments on each before we go into it. Um, okay, keep going. We've already talked. He's a very honest man. He's not going to BS the media. He, I don't think he knows how. Um, so Lawson Lovering, he said, hurt him. And it was unexpected. And for 24 hours, he was down in the dumps, um, which I do, oh, I do like to imagine Tad Boyle watching Bridget Jones' diary, thinking of a seven-footer. Um, so um, he said that was something unexpected. Nick Clifford, he could not be more complimentary. He said he's an amazing young man, an amazing teammate, always unselfish, always a pleasure to coach, but just wants to play more minutes somewhere and be a bigger part of the offense. Um, and based off of the, the list of schools that have reached out to him, I think that'll be a possibility. Um, and then Quincy Allen, finally, Tab Boyle said, he wants to play more minutes. End of... <laughs> so... <laughs> to be fair, if I'm Quincy, I want to play more minutes too. Uh Yeah. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I'll, I'll let anyone take it away in any direction they choose. I think all of our emotions are probably focused on Lawson, but I think there's some stuff to talk about. All right. So let's talk Lawson. Let's rip this bandaid off. Um, yeah, big, big time bummer. When I heard that news, I like Ted, I was down in the dumps. Um, it's really darn interesting how quickly he ended up in Salt Lake city. (laughs) It's really darn interesting how quick that happened. And Looking back, you know, <laughs> he he had two feet out the door the whole time. Uh, and hey, that's fine. You want to go? You want to play with your friends in Salt Lake? That's cool. Like, you, as 
as a human being, you should be allowed to play where you want with whom you want. Like, all right, get out of here, go. Um, but he was developing, he was improving. And there's a part of me that goes, you're giving in to the haters, man. You know, shove up their, shove up their ass, play here. Um, mm-hmm. You know, quiet them up, but all right. You know, he improved down the stretch a lot. Part of me now thinks maybe he was improving because he's, his mind's already in Salt Lake and he feels the pressure's off and all this other stuff. You know, part of me also thinks, you know, given given the, the exit strategy here, you know, go back to, you know, some of your AAU teammates, you know, get facilitated by your AAU coach, um, you know, what was the plan? Would that have been the plan if he didn't get injured last year too? So, I don't know, a little bit of that. But so he got a lot of criticism this year, right? Most like 90% of it was unfair and mean spirited. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, but if that's why he's leaving, like, that's kind of lame to me. Um, you know, I understand yeah. speaking out. I understand, hold, you know, in some ways holding against the fan base, but you're also a power five athlete. There's going to be some heat with that uh, if you're not performing. And let's not, you know, I defensively, he's a defensive leader. He did so many great things off yep. the ball. Like, he's a really good basketball player. Like pretty pretty high you know basketball IQ like we're talking the lead at some things here in terms of defending pick and roll defensive uh, you know leader and switches and things like that. Yeah, I mean, Jack noticed earlier in the year he'd literally just shove his teammates into yeah, the right spot. Like he was calling out defensive <laughs> calls. He's point, pointing people the right way. Like defensively, he is he's elite. Right. Offensively, he had a turnover ratio that you would assign typically to a freshman mm. point guard who needs a saddle. And I'm talking like early Nate Tomlinson. I'm I'm talking <laughs> like forward sh- centers shouldn't have a turnover ratio north of 28%. Like, 28%. Yeah. Like, look at look at Josh Scott, look at look at Evan. You know, guys who more or less were playing the same position. Yeah. And now the different players certainly ought more offensive focus. They had half the uh the, yeah. the ratio their freshman year. Uh, their their first full seasons, you know, playing as 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 Lawson did. Like there were some problems there, and you know, God bless him. You know, we struggled in his best games. In the twelve games he posted an offensive rating over a hundred, we were five and seven. Mm. In in That's the just... seventeen games he posted an offensive rating under ninety, we were eleven and six. Mm-hmm. So how critical was he really to any success we had this year? I don't know. Uh, yeah, I would say you'd, you'd be focusing on the wrong end of the court. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. Uh, yeah. I get that. I You'll get, get there. Yeah. Um, so, so what we're talking about is life after loss. And defensively, huge problem. <laughs> Who is protecting the rim next year? We need to find athleticism and, and yeah. length and height in the portal. And if we don't, that's a huge problem. Offensively. Maybe this helps us open things up. Maybe it helps us space the floor. Do we find someone who can pick and pop a little bit more, play a little, play a little bit with, uh, with Tristan to be able to rotate out and keep that same level of of spacing, uh, so that that Tristan doesn't have to carry the entire load down there. You know, part of the thing we talked about, Tristan isn't defending anybody sometimes, and that's because he can't because he's got to put all his uh, energy into playing offense and and getting loose and getting open. Um, so, so maybe there's some, some positives here to go with the negatives. Um, so ultimately what I wrote down was eh, maybe, I don't know. (laughs) Ultimately (laughs) it all depends on the replacement. Um, yeah, I think we can survive him. 
yeah how he exited kind of chaps my ass a little bit like okay mm-hmm. you you had your exit strategy before the season's over you know tad tries to keep you here and you're you're already gone okay fine whatever um you know but we we really need to find a replacement and if we find a replacement it is what it is and we move on and you know honestly it's a it's in the past but if we can't find you... that that that's a problem because if we go into next year with our centers in our in our front line as Joe Horbert and Dio, we're in trouble. Okay, what about Luke O'Brien small ball five? <laughs> I don't hate it. I don't hate it. I would, uh, I would say Hadley a is a is Hadley is a to me an, an easier pick if we're gonna roll with Hadley Williams, uh uh De Silva, KJ, insert transfer guard here, you know, yeah. as a starting five. Um because Hadley has the thickness Luke. that uh, Williams and DeSilva yeah. do not have. Yeah, playing playing Lob at the five is kind of like playing uh, Austin Default as a power forward or a five as well. Yeah. Like, I think we can better use him elsewhere. Like, no, he's, you know, we'll see if his shot develops to that point. But playing him as a three or a four, I think, helps out a lot. If you stick him at the mm-hmm. five, um, I think it, it, it sort of limits his impact both on both sides of the court. Yeah, but um, it's modern basketball. Small five is 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 in vogue, so I get it. So before you go any further, Sam, let me just tell you what what Boyle said today to Pat Rooney about this. Where he said, "Obviously, we need to sign a big." Boyle said, "Joe Herbert's coming up in redshirt. Tristan <laughs> Silva could play the five in a pinch, but that's not a natural position. We need to sign a post player. Yep. Having coached Lawson Loving now for two years and Evan Batty for five, we're going to look at all possible avenues." That will be a transfer portal kid because we need someone to come in and play right, right away. So similar thoughts from Yeah, I mean that's that's what we expect. Um yeah, I I, I guess to me we, I, I, I was gonna say devoid of context, but Ben already mentioned it that Lawson Levering played his AAU ball in Salt Lake City, and I would imagine his coach is still based in Salt Lake City. I was going to say that without any other context added, just out loud. Um, but Lawson Levering, I think it was not I, I'll, I'll end my thoughts with it was nice for CU, as, as far as I've been watching, has never had a rim protector like that, and it was nice for 30 games to have that. Um, and we'll see if we have it again. But for that point, it was just cool to see all these other guards think, like, maybe I don't want to go in right now. Maybe I maybe I don't want to drive all the way. Um, and if that, all we get is 30 games of that, then I'll, I'll take what I got. Nothing, Sam. You're ultimately, good. and let's take a step back real quick and considering the three of them. And, you know, yeah. I talked about Lawson, positives, negatives, right? Mm-hmm. If you look at more or less what war wins above replacement or defensive, or uh, I'm sorry, box, uh, box per minute, box plus minus per minute, yeah, um, over 100. The three lowest, quote unquote, worst players on the team mm-hmm. are the ones who transferred. Scott's yeah. Player. Um, you know, I don't think they're the worst necessarily. Like, worst is a is a pejorative word, but it, lowest performing, let's call them. Transferred out. Yeah. So, what are we really losing out of all this equation? Um, and and that's selling all three of them short, right? That's certainly selling Lawson short. That's selling Neek short. But if you look at brass tacks, if you look at efficiency and metrics, if we can if we can find two players in the portal, and you're talking about Cody Williams, like those are upgrades. Those are upgrades. Yep. So. Yeah, I think that even like right now, it's like kind of 
like harsh to say, but like I think Nick Clifford is addition by subtraction just right now, like without even thinking about the transfer coming in. Cause like he wouldn't be in that starting lineup with Cody Williams coming in. He doesn't really seem like a good fit. Like he didn't quite develop in the way we needed him to. Me, to it's just a, especially it's a total with fit his, thing. It's a total yeah. fit thing. But yeah, anyway. fit. Because, um, like we need him to be a spot up shooter, and he can't do that consistently. Well, yeah, have, I, yeah. I, I think he. I alluded to it earlier. Like he missed one shot in a game, and his mm-hmm. mentality would go down a lot. And you know, he'd check out on defense sometimes because of that. Like his offense really affected his defense, and vice versa. To be fair, mm-hmm. um, you know, that's and mental is a huge part of basketball. That screams to me: dude needs a new fit, new new situation yeah. to find a new home, and. This is not against him because I mean Tad talked about it. he's a good dude like, mm-hmm. and and I'm not saying you know Tad gave him a shot he started every but uh, all but two games this year I think, um, you know and even then he don't he only played about you know his his minutes ratio was only like fifty three percent or something like that, um so he'd start and then performance would lead Tad to put him on the bench. Yeah, no, there was a lot of games where he played like two minutes in the second half. Right, it just exactly. wasn't working that day. It just wasn't working. And, you know, again, that just kind of leads to the idea that I don't think he was being played out of position or anything. There's there's always a little talk about, you know, oh, he's just an oversized point guard. He needs to control the ball a little bit more. And, you know, I didn't see that. Um, you know, I, I didn't see any need for him to have the ball in his hands more. Yeah, twice as many turnovers as assists. Yeah, right. Uh, I mean, part of that's role, but yeah. Part of it, yeah, and part of that's role. Um, you know, he shot under 29% from free from three. We talked about his free throws, 53% from the line. Um, you know, and even there, you know, we're talking even he was even getting to the line less. Uh so not only was he making fewer free throws, but he's getting to the line less. And that's part of his value is attacking and slashing and, and yeah. getting uh, you know, he he had the worst offensive efficiency from a player with at least 50% of minutes since Xavier Talton in 2015 when I looked it up. Shout out. <laughs> like, it just wasn't a good year. Oh. Like, it's not a good year. And, you know, whatever you think about the dude, and and I really liked uh, Quincy. I really like Neat. Uh, yeah, I, really, I do too. I really liked the story. Local Colorado kid. I thought he was, you know, his trajectory looked strong. Tab brought him, to, brought him to the the Pacto Media days. We we were putting him up there as like this is this is a dude who's going to lead us this year. Just didn't click. I hope he finds a good spot for him. I really do, and I hope yeah. he comes back. I hope it's a team on our schedule, and I hope he comes back and he drops thirty on us. I really do. Yeah, because yeah, I want us. him to shine in that building one more time. I really do. Uh, and uh, and I hope you for say Kuntz us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah I love that. Um, to your point, just, just today actually came out according to the Portland report on Twitter, Clifford, Nick Clifford said that the following teams reached out to him, St. Bonaventure, Xavier, St. Mary, CSU, Utah, Utah Valley, UTEP, Montana, Cal State Bakersfield, Northern Colorado, shout out again, Dalen Coons, Denver, Weber State, Montana State, Bowling Green, San Fran, and Eastern Washington. Um, and yeah, I, Everyone says he's a great guy. Everything I've heard is that he's a great guy and a great teammate. Um, he was he was just slated to be something he's not. I think Tadboy wanted to be something he's not, and it it just hurt all year. It hurt him. It hurt CU, and he deserves a fresh start. Um, and CU deserves a fresh. And thank start. God for the transfer portal. For I mean, like yeah. for the instant transfers, like yes, 
though he would have. I'm had, glad he's not stuck. I think he'll graduate, but yeah. Um, so uh, that, that's who's going out right now. I think that's probably the end of the list. The way Taz talking about it sounds like both redshirt guys, R.J. Smith and Joe Herbert, are are slated to play some roles next year based off the way that Taz talking about it. Um, and it doesn't sound like anyone else um, after these meetings he had last week are, are planning to depart. So um, okay. CU has two open scholarships to play with. Um, yeah, you know, and I thought I thought go to Hammond was a flight risk. Well, we talked about this, Sam. I thought you made a great yeah. point of I think Hammond's a pick and roll operator. He needs a ball in his hand. That's going to happen less next year, not more. So, um, you know, if he can be a team guy and learn how to be a catch and shoot guy. That'd be fantastic. Yeah. Or like eight minutes of pick and roll, whatever. Um, but I, you know, what he needs is gonna happen less next year, in my opinion. But if he can learn to be something else, that'd be great too. And same thing, supposedly a great teammate, obviously through your captain at Creek matters, mm-hmm. local kid matters, all that stuff. And you had thoughts? Uh not really. Just in terms of would would Hammond leave? I don't know that I considered him such a flight risk. Um, I think he'd and this is not to slight him because I think he'd be very effective in this, but I think he'd have to take a step down. Like, I don't think he could find a, a similar. Oh, level. totally. Yeah. Uh, and I, you know. What about like an Oregon? St- oh, I mean. Well, okay. you, you really want <laughs> to go to Oregon State? Like, <laughs> no, I was just thinking, I was thinking like, like a lower Pac-12 team. No, but why would you do that? Like, okay, we're yeah. expecting a good season next year. Like, okay, if I'm going to, if I'm going to go somewhere else, I want to, you know, have some success. Right. I, yeah, I think... I'm just afraid he's going to be playing like 16 minutes a game. Well, and not be as effective. I I, I think we're gonna. I think it's probably where, where he I'm, might I'm land. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. I'm interested to see what we do with point guard next year, because I think Cody. Can oh. play there a lot. Um, I think Cody could play there a lot. I think there's still yeah, a chance transition. to be fine. You know, I I know our good friend CU Goose out there on Twitter. He's streaming for one of the transfers uh, that we use should go to a point guard. Um, so that's always a possibility. Mm-hmm. It, I, you know. Is KJ the best person to be the lead on a lead guard on this team? I don't know. Um, you know, there's only one ball. Let's see how that kind of folds out. Would this team be better operating smaller in a smaller lineup with both Julian and KJ on the floor at the same time? We tried that a lot this year and it was didn't really work. Miss, but we're gonna have a different mix next year, a different mix that can utilize that a little bit better by by looking to hunt those threes and things like that. Um so, I like the pairing of KJ and Cody a lot. Yeah, I did plus, too. Plus, plus like a gunner at the two guard. Yeah, and and Julian can can gun a little bit. Like he can shoot. A yeah, I, I, uh, I, that's kind of what I was hinting at earlier. Where it's like, I think I want him to be more comfortable in that off ball role. His shot is but, pure, like, and it goes up. Yeah, I no, like his shot. I don't he could be that guy. He shot thirty three percent right. Uh, and 92% of his threes were assisted. So he is that he is yeah. that hunt hunt to get open and then let fly. He is that dude. So um we're jump I, I shouldn't say we're just slightly jumping the gun, but I do want to mention specific <laughs> names. So so once again, using Boyle's comments as an intro here, big man, we know CU has two open scholarships. We know one of them is gonna go to a big man. We can talk about some names very briefly. He did talk about the other one as a best player available spot. So it could be a guard. Could be a gunner, could be banked. He did say that as an option. He could just bank the Scully, which I would hate to see, but it's Tad. He's done it before. So I have, um, yeah, I have learned throughout the years Tad loves to keep a scholarship in the back in the back of his pocket because he wants to find that George King in a side <laughs> gym at an April, whatever, 
Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it, if if he feels like he can bank it and he doesn't need to add to the roster, he's going to do it. Um. Well, I I think it might be for him. Yeah, like you said, there has to be a certain level of transfer that needs to take that. Um. Um. And based off of how we're shooting right now, that transfer level is CU's going for it. I don't know if it's possible. So to start with the big man that like we talked about, just want to mention some names and Sam will have some more to add after I finish this preamble. But Kalel Ware is a name that everyone saw on Twitter. He's the Oregon five-star freshman center um, who played a little bit this year. He's like the third string center for Oregon. Um, there was an obvious connection because CU coached, Tab Oil coached him um, as part of his duties as the under 18 head coach. Um, uh, and... There's some familiarity where had some DMP coach decisions this year, which is a, a slight risk. Um, he's long, he's athletic, he's seven, uh, seven foot can shoot a little bit. Um, and I guess my final, my final caveat with where is he's currently ranked as a number one transfer on two, four, seven, and literally everyone wants where. So um, I am yeah. very doubtful that CU can put together a package that will be enticing enough for where to join. I would also say, I think we're kind of on the same Reddit boards of Oregon fans saying he looks like he just plays basketball because he's seven feet tall and should play basketball. Not just Oregon fans. Yeah. Some other people have (laughs) mentioned, some other people we trust have mentioned that, yeah, he's, there's some attitude things maybe. Um, Yeah. I would say he's the last thing to see you needs next year, but anyways. Yeah. and And you want Hoopers, not people who are just kind of, playing because they're supposed to be like like i don't know you you know the type oh yeah well i mean we all watch wesley gordon um so uh (laughs) anyways um i think another option um that we've we've mentioned heard before is wyoming big man graham Ike. Um, originally from Grandview High School in Colorado, hence a, a pretty a obvious connection. Um, before some of his his health problems this year, uh, he went 19 and 10 um, at, at Wyoming and is a pretty natural, I guess, you know, this might be reductive, but I would consider more of a Josh Scott presence, not necessarily a loss and loving replacement, but one-on-one post offense, he'll get you a bucket. One-on-one post defense, he'll win most of the time. But anything past that, you're expecting stuff he's not bringing. Um, yeah, and could there? you tell me why he had only 14 blocks in 35 games last year? Uh, I would once again refer to my Josh Scott example of like he's not really leaving the ground. Um, and I don't know. Um, I, he's not really a help. Yeah, Josh Scott, Josh Scott averaged like a block a game. Well, the other mostly thing on is, strips. That Wyoming team was a mess last year, an absolute yeah. catastrophic mess. Like, you, you want to talk about bad roster fits and. Uh, needs to get blown up. That ro- that roster needed to get blown up immediately. Um, yeah, nine nine and twenty two, and they were picked like top two or three in the conference. So, um, yikes. Um, well, but, I was kind of baiting you because you said he doesn't play defense. Uh, I didn't say he doesn't play defense. I said he plays one on one post defense. Um, and I'm not expecting to beat Josh Scott because Josh Scott was a twenty and ten guy at the Pac twelve level, and EK is a twenty and ten mm. guy at the Mountain West level. Um, okay, but. Anyways, uh, in, any thoughts on any of the big men, Sam or Ben, um, before we look at potential guards? Uh, you guys kind of talked about it with Ware. Like, I've, I've heard some interesting things about, you know, who he is and, and his approach and all that kind of thing. Um, it's always enticing when you, can, when you can think about that level of 
of athletes and and recruit profile because I mean he's still very young, so you can still talk about those kind of things. Like he was a five star, <laughs> um, and that and that would be interesting to pair that kind of athlete with Buddy Williams and KJ and and you know build a roster. Ooh, that's that looks fun yep. on paper, right? Um, Ek, yeah, I he makes the most sense, right? Um, but uh, unfortunately, similar to where I think. What would take to get him here in, in terms of um, name, image, and likeness deal or opportunities? I think I think he may end up looking elsewhere. That that options list is pretty lengthy. Uh, so um, you know, your top two with a bullet, and and uh, you know, those are the ones that absolutely those are the ones I'd be going after too. I I, I don't think either of them are realistic options for where we yep. are right. Yeah, I, and some other potentially realistic options that have come up recently. Mustafa Amazil um, from Dayton, I believe, right, Sam? Am I making that mm-hmm. up? Okay. No. Um, like you said, Dayton is just uh, a crater, and he was a pretty pretty good piece for them. Um, more of a tad, board the hell out of the ball, get opportunities off like putbacks and stuff when you need to. Um, but he's yeah, also I don't, been on some big, pretty big visits. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't think he's a true big man. I think he's a six foot nine shooter. Yeah, he takes a lot of threes, like a lot of threes. Yeah, yeah. If, if we're thinking of him as a as a center yeah. or pivot, like mm, not not really. No, um, I think he'd he'd be the gunner option, and like you want, like because this obviously the players he's recruiting, he wants a gunner. Uh, I think he'd just be like a bigger. Like you just slide Cody Williams to the two, Tristan to the three, and then Amzil would play. Yeah, the some, that role. Some other names. Um, CU or supposedly reached out to the former UNC center Will Shaver, who didn't play that much this year. But just from what I know from the North Carolina fans in my life, Hubert Davis was allergic to bench players, so um, it's kind of hard to figure out what who was good and who was bad on that team. Um, from what I've heard, I don't know. Um, but 6'10, 260, inside presence for sure. Um, and and thick as a board. So um Oh, he didn't play at all. Yeah. Six exactly. minutes in the red shirt. Three whole periods. Yeah, man. Yeah. Hubert Davis, I've heard uh, from the UNC fans, they were extremely frustrated because guys just wouldn't play that weren't Caleb Love or Leaky Black. Um, so uh yeah, there's some some names on the big man side. Um, I like you guys. I don't think Ware and EK are hu- incredibly realistic options. NIL wise, they're going to um, have money thrown at them that CU does not pay former head coaches on staff. So um, I don't know. That's going to be tough. Um, and I, I think there's options, but big men are going, everyone wants a big man. Um, like, I don't know. People don't want to develop centers. They want to get developed centers. So um, sometimes that turns into Utah grabbing Lovering, and hopefully that turns into CU grabbing uh, someone else who uh, has put work into developing a big man. Um, Lazar Stefanovic? Is that the deal we're making? Oh, God. Please, no. Pass. Um, Pass. pass? Okay. Well, he's not going to pass. That's right. That's exactly right. He has a pretty Um, jumper, though, I will say. That's the only thing I'm gonna say. And hey, you have a type. You yeah, you definitely need that stroke. What? Tristan De Serbian style. players named yeah. Serbian. Or, <laughs> sorry, Serbian players named Lazar. Yeah, maybe Nikolic has grown a few year, a few inches. We get Lazar Nikolic here as the center. Um, so I will say the one transfer that has been rumored to be connected to CU in a more than exploratory capacity 
is former UNC guard forward, whatever, Dalton Connect. Dalton Connect went to Preview High School in Colorado, spent two years at JUCO, went to UNC, um, and this year really exploded as an offensive option next to Dalen Koontz. Um, because of how much he exploded, he's also ranked as a top five transfer option, which means everyone wants a little piece of connect. Um, he is an elite shooter, um, an elite offensive player, efficient wise, efficiency wise, I think, um, and surprisingly good rebounder. Um, so that those are my thoughts on him. Some some local radio guys have mentioned that uh, Tad wants him, and there might be mutual interest. But similarly, he's th- th- that's deep waters. Um, so any thoughts there? Yeah, his uh, his profile kind of blew up pretty quickly. Uh, there was immediately like, "Oh yeah, there's a there's a tad bit of interest or whatever the line was on, yes. on Twitter," nice. um, which I rolled my eyes at. But um, uh, yeah, the uh, his his list kind of blew up a little bit, and I think Kansas is on there and some other random schools that you're just like, "Well, <laughs> UNC, no. Indiana, yes, yeah. Duke, UCLA, yeah, yeah." yeah. He's I'm ranked sure. ahead of yeah. Caleb Love. Yeah, and he's got great size, right? Like he's like six seven. Um, you know, he's he's got great size. We've seen him. I mean, this year he dropped twenty four. I think against yes, us. and incredible um, efficiency. Yeah, yeah, like he, he, like yeah, he passes the eye check test and and all those kind of things. So I get it. It's not just a fluke. Um, and he had some huge games this year. Uh, and it would be a nice story, right? Like Ted, Ted going back to his Greeley roots, grabbing up another Greeley kid and bringing him with him. Like, oh, that'd be a nice, nice cute little story. But yeah, it, I'm starting to think that that one's a little mm, something too. Yeah. Uh, so then that's where I, I start I, to think that, yeah, we're, we're probably going to bank that second one. I will say connect as a fit is like perfection. Um, oh God. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, two, 200 attempted threes last year, 38% clip. That is volume and efficiency. He knows how to hunt his shot when you need him to. He's tall. He can board. You put him next to KJ and Cody Williams and you say like run around the perimeter, do Clay Thompson shit and uh, you know, have a good time. So um, he's good in the pick and roll too. Yeah. yeah. Um. Just just to, to to underline this, there's a 247 article that came out yesterday saying how Pride Northern Colorado transfer Dalton Connect fits with top contenders. The list of fits we are number one, so go see you. Um. But everyone else here is Illinois, Arizona State, Ole Miss, Washington, Nebraska, Oklahoma, Utah, LSU, Iowa State, Indiana, Missouri, Kansas, Arkansas, North Carolina, and Oregon. Um. So mm-hmm. like everyone. Um. Yeah, and boy, oh, he just hurt. screams Oregon to me. I I can even see him in the jersey. Right now. <laughs> no, I I can uh, I can already see him in that jersey and interesting. He's just the hell out of it. To me, I I I am I'm picturing Arizona State just because of Cody Justice and how he haunts oh, my I, dreams. Yeah, yeah, um, I knew you were going with that. I am not sure I would sign on to that. Well, I, I wouldn't was, either. If I, would, I was making a yeah. choice. A Okay, so we we talked about it like an hour ago, right? Like, where would you go? There, there's that coin flip, right? There's that coin flip of that last second shot that Arizona State won in Boulder. Desmond Cambridge. If if Cambridge rims that shot out, Hurley's fired. Is well, Hurley still there? Do they pass that? If Cambridge misses the three quarter court heave to beat yeah, Arizona, Arizona, same thing. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. is Hurley still there? Did they make the tournament? Probably not. No. Yeah, and, uh, and 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 you know you've already seen DJ Horn transfer out and like I don't know. Well, 
and I'm gonna this is gonna be now Arizona, uh, uh Jack's crap on ASU segment, but Ray Anderson is not committed to winning in any sort of way. Michael Crow, the president, does not give a crap about athletics at all. So he's allowing Ray Anderson to be employed. Um, it's just a disaster top to bottom right there. Um, you know, their football strategy appears to be hire local guy who gets local recruits, and we've all seen that and seen what that tries to look like. Um, I don't know. So, anyways, I'm I'm very anti ASU at the moment. Um, so I'm always. Oh, I, oh, I am always. I, I wake up in the morning and then I'm just like, Man, I really hate Arizona State. <laughs> um, but if if I had to choose where I would go, um, of that list, Sam, I don't know. Um, Illinois would kind of be fun. A lot of minutes going around there. Brad Underwood is a total hard ass, which would suck, but. I, don't know. I wouldn't go to I, I wouldn't go to Illinois if I was Dalton. No, let's see. And and this, we'll I, I'm Illinois legacy. Like I I love the ILL. You know, like believe me. Yeah. <laughs> I I don't know that I would. No, I wouldn't go there. Um, I guess Indiana would be fun. There's definitely minutes. Kansas, I, Kansas is the pick. I'll, I'll pick Kansas. I love Bill Self. Yeah. Um. Anyways, Connect. I don't think is a is a super realistic option. Another guard I want to briefly mention, TJ Bomba um, went to high school in Denver. Tad Boyle loves TJ Bomba. Um, oh, yeah. But so does everyone else in the country. So My, my uh, ears perked up when I saw him in, at the portal. My ears really perked up when I saw Bomba's name. I was like, oh, hi. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And, uh, yeah. So, uh, but He tore us 15, apart. Yeah. And, and 15 point per game guards that are in the portal and are good teammates are hard to come by. So I, I would imagine he will also have a long list for his services if he doesn't stay in the draft. <clears throat> um anyways, I think that's like the level that CU is currently shooting for, which is which is high waters and if they if they stay there, I think next year's team has loads and loads of potential. Last name I want to mention here before we get a little bit deeper into the Cody Williams era. Um he hit the portal literally an hour before we recorded today and I know Tad loves him. Tamar Bates, I think is a name to look at um coming from Indiana. Tamar mm-hmm. Bates uh, visited CU once upon a time. Um, you know, stop me if you've heard this before for Tad Boyle, but he's a large lefty combo guard who plays a lot of defense and has a large wingspan. Um, his shot is just god ugly. Um, and he's, he's transferring from Indiana. I believe he went to Indiana after Texas fired Shaka Smart. I, I, and this is purely off of memory, so I might be wrong, but, um, yes, that is the Tamar Bates saga so far. Six points last year for Indiana. I just think he's a fit for Ted's system. Um, so, anyways, a name to look at. I like that idea. Um, let's stop talking about potential um, members of next year's team. Let's talk about next year's team. So, Cody Williams played in the all McDonald's All American game uh, for some reason on the East team. I don't know why, but he was. Um, he started, um, and I, I watched a little. I watched that game and some highlights of his senior year. Um, everything we've seen about Cody Williams is that he has continued to live up to his billing and then some, um, a consistent, explosive performer all year and definitely took his point forward, um, uh, role by the reins, likes to distribute, can definitely score. And from what I saw in the McDonald's All-American game, I don't know if CU has had a dude that can get up that easily, um, in a long time, definitely not in that frame. So I'm, I was very excited watching that. So, I mean, he's got a couple extra inches, but the way he kind of glides into the lane and just lets his length speak for itself and getting to the mm-hmm. rim really reminds me of Alec Burks his freshman year. 
Uh, I thought of him too earlier. Yeah. So I don't want to compare to the shot because Alec had problems with the shot, and and I don't want to compare defensively because Alec, he was a scorer. (laughs) Um, But track uh, mind. But the way the way Cody gets into the lane and attacks the rim and just kind of slides his way through, oh, the and the length, the you know, just uses the length to get to the rim. Yeah, reminded me so much of Alec. And um, yeah, you want me? You want you want to sign up for another season of Alec? I'll take that. <laughs> I uh, I'm shocked every time I watch him do it. And he has this little move, and it's it's I don't even think it's that crazy. I just love it so much because it's all his length, where it looks like he's almost parallel to the backboard and he just does a little left hand like i'm just gonna roll it up right here and i'm gonna go in because i have a seven foot wingspan and i'm faster than you so it's like he's waiting till he's almost in the baseline just goes whoop this is in now um and it's just so so smooth when he drives with his left um and that's gonna be i don't know and he distributes well i think he had a nice outlet pass a few nice Mm -hmm. outlet passes in the all-star he had a couple nice ones yeah those were Um, i'm excited for that that was what made me excited yeah, well, we, we mentioned his fit next to KJ. KJ is a ball-dominant player. I don't think he's necessarily a pass-first ball-dominant player like maybe McKinley was before him. Um, and I think this is a really, really interesting composition where I think Cody might be the guy who initiates the offense, so KJ can taunt his shot a bit more. And uh, then you have people like De Silva just roaming around getting his too. Um, I think Williams puts a lot of pressure off KJ to be the um, the starter of the offense and allows him to be more of the, well, I think- the finisher. Cody will fit into a team basketball setting more than most of those five-star one-and-dones would because he's just kind of just naturally does the little things well. Like, he sets screens for guys. He cuts when he needs to. And he, like, he he makes cuts that don't open himself up but open up other people. And I think that he's just, like, he seems selfless. He's a good a capital player. B basketball player, you know, high basketball, yeah. that kind of guy. Yeah, a lot, mm-hmm. lot of a lot of really smart things. Um, you know, and you can you can see in, in watching him, you, you can see exactly why Tad would would be attracted to that level of uh, of talent. You know, he, he, when you're when you're working in those those echelons, yeah, that's that's the kind of guy like a Tad would be a, would go after. Yeah, he had some interesting comments too. They they had some. He was you know he had media at the McDonald's All American game. Um, he was just talking about the difference between him and his brother. His brother being a better yeah. shooter than he was. Him being a better overall offensive player at this point in their careers. Damn. Um, you know, also awesome. Jalen. Have you been following Jalen at all? Well, the I people have mentioned the reason that Cody Williams has made such an ascendant rise of the rankings is not only because he's getting better, but it's because Jalen Williams has like proven out as a rookie this yeah. whole time. And, you know, bloodlines apparently matter a big deal in the NBA. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah. They're doing all well, professional they, sports, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-oh. Did Uh-oh. We lose Uh-oh. He said, he said in the 2 a.m. block. Um, but I'll uh, – well, well, we can move on past that. Um, Williams is joining in. Potential transfers. We talked about how that might free up KJ a little bit, Tristan a little bit. Um, I'm – just excited to see Hadley and O'Brien in what I would consider um, cleaner roles for them. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like if, if you can give me a combined 40 minutes between those two, that's just pure effort and, and um, boards. I I'm super happy with that. Um, whether that's starting around the bench. Yeah. hundred um, percent. You know, I was actually thinking like, okay, so what is Hadley's role next year? Like, is it still the starter? Um you know, could you, 
would you would you rather have Hadley coming off the bench or would you rather have uh Luke O'Brien coming off the bench? And I'm not decided either way on that. I, you know, my, my gut instinct says Luke. Um mm-hmm. you know, let let him be the starter. I think he's earned it. Uh and that's mm-hmm. not just, you know, Hadley didn't have the opportunity because he hurt himself down the down the stretch. But you know, I think Luke's play sort of tilts that in my mind in his favor. Is that the best use of of you know Luke, however? Is he would he be more effective? playing those 25 minutes as part of the second unit and adding the energy to things and, uh, and all that, um, you know, and I'm undecided on that, but one of those two should, should be the starter, uh, should start along with, uh, with KJ and, and Tristan mm-hmm. and, and, and Cody. Uh, and then do you have that transfer forward to plug in with them or are you adding in the gunner? Are you adding in, you know, whatever, uh, Bronny, maybe, I don't know. Uh, but, <laughs> uh or are you are you going with Hammond or are you going with uh uh Courtney Anderson or RJ Smith or one of those guys like mm-hmm. who emerges to be that fifth starter I think is going to be an interesting dynamic. And who are those other four uh starters for anyone who whose feed abruptly cut off and just got <laughs> back in? We, we were talking or I was talking about uh KJ Cody obvious Tristan uh, under the assumption that Tristan uh, does not stay in the draft and comes back yeah uh those three plus one of Hadley or Luke O'Brien okay I I will say Luke O'Brien to me becomes a very very attractive option if he can get closer to that 40 percent mark he was hitting like and, and from three two years ago um he was getting better near the end of this year i thought and as as a whole and including at, at shooting um it definitely felt less hesitant which i thought was a huge thing for him early on in his career that he was hesitate to shoot um and it, it felt like he was letting it fly a little more um and maybe i'm just remembering the makes more because he hit some pretty big shots down the stretch to uh to to keep cu winning um no, he Luke was absolutely Ryan. he was absolutely much more screw it let fly. He was much more confident the final month month and a half of the season. Um, that's the Luke I want to see offensively. Is yep. you know don't just go zero for one, go one for five. Uh, you know absolutely take your shots, take your shots. Don't don't pass them up. Don't pass that ball. If you're open the corner, you get it. Fire. Yeah. Well, and so if if he becomes if he can do that and get to like thirty five percent, thirty six percent, thirty seven percent from three, um, that's a really big asset because <laughs> mm-hmm. that's a dude that can get you like fifteen boards one night and then you know eighteen points on on five threes the next night or something. Um, just uh, it would be an incredible story. Um, and Hadley, I think, is a little more limited offensively just because he doesn't really have that shot. At least hasn't shown that shot. Um. In the words of Patrick Ewing, he's never shot that shot. He never shot that shot. Um, but he does bring, I think, um, obviously defensive intensity, defensive versatility, um, sharp elbows in the paint, uh, a lot of stuff. So I don't know. I, I Next year, I think we'll have to, by necessity, be more offensively focused and probably has to push the pace a little bit more. Like they were fast this year, but they're going to have to be really fast, I think, next year to really uh, try to – take advantage of what they have. I don't know. Sam, you showed us a Youngstown State shirt. Anything else to say? Oh, did I? I didn't mean to. I'm the only one wearing home field. Um, I have nothing else to say. I I was not listening at the the moment. Sweet. Um, I will say, 
<laughs> Not that I'm entertaining this is a real possibility. Bronny James is a three and D guy next year. Would be pretty cool. <laughs> okay, can I talk about how stupid this whole thing is? Can I can I can I talk about how dumb this is? Sure. Yes. Um go off. I'm pretty sure this dude's just joking, right? Like yeah. I would, I, my, my sense of it is, is one of a couple things. Obviously, he he may just be completely trolling. He may be completely talking about out of his ass. Let, 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 those are realm of possibility things. But my sense of it is he's is he's joking with the dude he's talking about because this is what this was a response. This wasn't like a lead tweet. And my my sense was he was kind of playing with him because he he wanted uh, hey Oregon right instead of USC. He's like no Colorado, like literally yeah. like any other team. Um, like I get the whole prime thing, but prime coaches football. Like what has he got to do with this at all? Like what would you if you were Tad Boyle? And Coach Prime went out and recruited somebody for you. And, like, obviously, Tad would take Bronny, of course. But let, let's say he goes out and recruits someone for you. Like, what would you do? You would throw a freaking fit. Of course yeah. you would. Um, like, what do you, what do you, what do you want me to well, do with your program, too? Like, yeah, until Jack Boyle so becomes our next kicker. <laughs> and I'm not saying that's what, what Prime is doing. I believe this whole thing is, is garbage. Made up internet garbage <laughs> that no one should be paying attention to um like okay. we are paying attention to it because we we get some headlines out yeah of it. sure sure yeah get your clicks i get it i'm not i'm not saying that you know hey I get <laughs> hustle gotta get you gotta stay on that hustle but my god like, the whole thing blew up in 30 seconds i'm like when has this ever like have we ever even talked to Bronny? does Bronny even know that there is a university of colorado yeah. that plays he does there? Not have an offer from us, I don't think. All buffs, I, I looked this up. All buffs doesn't even have a recruiting profile for him. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah. I will say, Ben, you're really poking holes in our next article, which is Bronny James smoke mean LeBron to Denver. <laughs> um, oh, but yes, definitely have uh, sources for us. I don't. I don't think it's an option. I do think Tate Frazier has legit connects because he's broken stuff before, whether on accident or on purpose. Most importantly, I think he has important. He has connects like in the shoe game, which, as we all know, does run quite a bit of upper level college basketball recruiting. Um, however, he is also a troll, and like this is likely. I mean, even if CU is the second team, it is. By name association, it, it's USC. Like he's gonna be playing in LA next year. He just is. Yeah. So I don't know. Anyways, um, are we afraid of USC? <laughs> because Bronny is good, and then they and have Collier's Isaiah really Collier. good. Collier is really yeah. good. I I don't know. I don't know. I mean, Tab has beaten Enfield more often than he's lost, but they smacked CU this year. So I don't know. Well, yeah. Um, and it, it, I, I think Cody's a very good ad, even from a basketball standpoint, and then his talent allows him to be potentially transcendental. I'm not expecting anything crazy stat line wise, but I don't know, like a what are we saying, like a, a 12, 4, and 4? Does that sound right? 10, 4, and 4, 10, 6, and 4? I would certainly hope for more, I really. Think, um, and I understand, I understand the whole okay. He's a top 10 player in a year where it's kind of a down class. I get that. Oh, it's, of it. it's a really bad class. I get that. I get that part of it. But if he's only getting 10 or 12 a game, that seems a little low for me. Like the four and four. Yeah. Okay. That'd be, that'd be dope. Um, certainly four assists. That'd be pretty nice. Uh, but 
12 points, 10, 12 points. Like if he if he averaged 11, I would I would feel like we're 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 missing something here. Like we we haven't opened up the the nut here. Um, you know, okay. I would I I would expect more in the 15, 16 range. Really? Because that's that's where lead scorers are in Tad's system. I don't think he's a lead scorer. That he certainly he certainly should be up there. He certainly should think, be on pace with with. Okay, assuming KJ doesn't show up next year as a thirty five percent three point shooter, like let's let's make that assumption. Yeah. Uh, assuming he doesn't show up, I mean that's where KJ is going to be. He's going to be in the sixteen ish range. Well, that's where he was this year, and I don't think I th- I think that's more or less towards his peak. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where I would expect a lead performer to be in Tad's system, and I think more or less Cody will be in that range. Okay. I, I was thinking of him as the second. Now I'm thinking De Silva is the de facto first option every time he's on oh, the, the court. Tristan's going to have a huge. He's going to have a monster year. Yeah, like I, I, I think I, he's 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 proven. And and I'll go back to my uh, my reverse jinx hating once we get closer to November. But since I'm off the clock now, when it comes to that, <laughs> um, yeah, Tristan's going to have a monster year next year. What's uh? I'm trying to remember the last time see you returned to first team all pack. Was McKinley right all pack before his senior year? I believe like so. He might have been second because that was that was his uh, hurt his shoulder year was the year. Oh five. yeah, so he was second team, then first team, and then he came back first team. Yeah, he came back. He was first team twice. Yeah, Josh Scott time. was first team, I think, three times. Yes, I, I was going to say that was my last guy. And if De Silva can provide Josh Scott senior, I mean, how many times do you have to say it? Josh Scott was in the NCAA tournament, and the starting point guard was Thomas Akiazili. Like no, that is wait, an was incredible it year. Was he saying was it Talton? I think it was Talton. Really? I thought it was Akiazili. Either way, like I don't know. King and You're Scott. You're gonna make me look up the of trauma of the 2014-15 buffs. McKinley Wright was first team in 2020, so his junior year. Wait. No, his senior year. He was 16-17. His senior year, he was first team. Yes. Wow, see, and he was the only CU player on first or second team all pack. That's insane. I think you've erased the Don Collier experience from your mind. Well, that yeah. was he was he was uh, def- uh, uh, six man of the year that year. I thought. No, he started. He started. Okay. Well. Yeah. He, yeah. He got. I, uh, I don't think that disproves that Josh uh, Scott carried that team. It was Collier, Fortune, and then Talton started ten games. That's a bad I, once again. Yeah, I was about to say, Josh <laughs> Scott still carried the hell out of that team. Him and King. Um, and if if De Silva can, too. Oh yeah. yeah. If, if Silva can do something like that, that's an incredible year. And I don't think you'll have to do the offensive work that Scott did one on one. Um, but I do want to see De Silva roam a little bit more if he could. You know, run more plays for him near the end of the year. He was doing that weird like one legged step back. Uh, fadeaway that was going in like fifty percent of the time. That's just like unguardable, you know. Like I don't know. I would I would love to see him take the next step of of hunting more around the perimeter, more taking the pump fake two dribbles going all the way in this time as opposed to stopping for a pop. You know, I I don't know. I I think I think he could be really really special next year on the offensive side of the ball. And, and maybe the way it goes, Ben is is uh is the Silva half court, and then if Williams gets the board, he is just sprinting it. Yeah, maybe that's. What I was gonna say. Points. I was gonna say. I think that I think it'll be hopefully twelve six and three, twelve point six rebounds, three assists, where he just pushes it a lot. I 
yeah, I think that's his strength right now. Um, I think also, I think he is kind of not that strong with the ball right now. His shot is a bit janky. So I think that there, he, he does have some growing to do on the offensive end. Sure. But, Um, and I also think he might be a little passive. Is he getting the call? Is he getting a whistle to get to the line? And is he converting on those ends? That's a huge, that's a huge contributor to your end line. Um, Yeah. You know, we, we've seen so many Colorado players, particularly early, early in their career, they don't get that whistle. Ken had to earn that whistle, for example. Um, oh, it took it. It took him three and a half years to get that whistle. Yeah. <laughs> um. I so I don't know. I I think I'm maybe I'm overselling his point guard abilities. I think he's going to initiate the offense next year. I don't know. I think we'll see KJ off ball a lot. No. I and and that's kind of my sort maybe. of my expectation is there's going to be. There's going to be some sort of, you know, numbers justification between KJ and and Cody Sharon the Rock, right? Does that mean KJ is, you know, facilitating a little bit more and maybe doesn't take all those shots and and only scores when needed or only guns when needed? You know that that might dictate. All right, what are our averages here? Who's leading score? Things like that. I think, I think. KJ, no. If you if you go into the season knowing, all right, Tristan's going to put up huge numbers. Maybe I don't need to feel the pressure to put up everything. I don't know. You know, maybe that that's part of it. But I think there's going to be a justification down between Cody and KJ, where maybe KJ doesn't max out his numbers because here's this guy I can I can facilitate with. And I think like like I kind of mentioned it, but. Having the two of them together on the floor makes such a big difference for the yes. offense. Yes. Just in terms of like playmaking ability as a second ball handler. Yeah. Because yeah, we we kind of saw what happens when you don't have that. I, I I also think Williams has will have a unique ability to have passing angles that KJ does not have just with his yeah. height. Like yeah, yeah, because he's going what, to six be... nine. Uh, yeah, yeah, the, two man, the two man game, the the two man game potential between Tristan and Cody is is really fun. Ooh, like, filthy! Really They're fun. both so smart. That's that's really fun. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know. I the offensive side of the ball is exciting. And and if if C if CU manages to add a pure shooter who does not need to dribble the ball to make to score points, I think that'd be perfection. Um, Was there any word on like. Chance McMillian, the grand? Canyon transfer. Other than that, CU's made contact. No. Okay. But I don't know. He's a, he's a gross shooter. Like. Very good. You mean? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's gross. Well, that would be a good fit. Um, and defensively, I that's where it gets a little bit weird. I think we're going to. Boy. <laughs> I don't even know. Who do you rely on on the guard rotation? Who's the defender? Is it Courtney Anderson? Is it RJ Ooh. Smith? I don't even know. I am interested to see which of those two emerges. I'm pretty high on Courtney. Uh, I'm 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 pretty damn high. Another another slightly underheralded California guard. Like we've got a good history of those guys. Um and I'm really interested to see how how he hits the ground. I mean, 
NFL linebacker son, 6'6", long wingspan. I think CU this year was missing, and this is going to be a stupid thing to say, so I apologize, but was missing a Eli Parquet presence of just like a big dude who locks down outside. Um, just wasn't anything like that this year. Maybe that was supposed to be Clifford. I don't know, but I, I am excited to see uh, uh, a, a Tad Burley guard again. Um, I think it was supposed to be Clifford. Is. It was supposed to be Gabadon and Clifford in combination, I think. And Gabadon, I don't know. I, I didn't mind it, but, you know, definitely was not quite there. I mean, he was the Ivy League Pac-12 defense or he was the Ivy League defense player of the year. Yeah. Yeah, you, know, um, you you just put into my mind was Eli Partey played this season, and I didn't hear about it at all. I oh, he was injured half the year. He, okay, he is that what happened? Good. Is that UNLV? What okay. Yeah, he hurt his ankle. Okay. Yeah, I, yeah, and I, I did not realize he was still in college. Uh, Lon Kruger's UNLV. son got that job, and it was like his first year, I think. So yeah, it was a transition well, he's like thirty-two. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Anyways, yeah, I, I think next year's offense is exciting. Cody Williams is is a piece that CU just hasn't had, obviously. Um, they just haven't had a guy that's like that on offense. Um, and I, I hope that his potential is maximized. I know that Tad is, is talking like he wants to be maximized. One guy we haven't mentioned at all, really, except for to say that it's a it would be a problem if he's a starting center, is, is Joe Hurlbert. I'm expecting almost nothing next year from him. I don't know. Is everyone else also there? Yeah. I I don't know. I mean, so this is my this is my problem when you get small state, high highly you know ranked players is they haven't played against anybody. Like yeah, they've been on the AAU circuit, but they haven't played against anybody, so you don't really know who they are. I saw what five minutes, ten minutes of Joel Horvath this year in some exhibitions and um and some open practices, and that's it. Is that enough to go off of? No. Um, I mean, more or less, my my opinion of him will be formed come October, and until I I see what he's done in the weight room, and until I see you know is he is he you know comfortable at this level, until I'm able to make an accurate call about that, I can't really make a decision one way or another. My sense is he can't be the guy yet; he will need more time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I've been surprised before. I mean, I, it just sounds like he wasn't ready for the Pac-12, which makes sense. Like you said, he's from Enderlin, North Dakota. So, um, I don't know. I, I don't know if he's ever going to be an inside guy either. Um, but big schools wanted him. Like, pretty a lot of Big Ten schools wanted him. Um, and I think he does have touch. So, um, I don't know. I, I'm really not expecting anything from him this year. I'm expecting more from Geop, honestly. I, I expect Geop to play quite a few minutes, but... That might just be wishful thinking. I don't know. Um, anything else before we close this out? I have nothing. Nothing from me. I'm good, man. Cool. Um, well, you can find Roman Buff on Twitter, where he's a Final Four or potential tournament winner um, as best, best Twitter account to follow. Is it at Rumbling Buff? Uh, it's at Rumbling Buffalo. Buffalo, excuse mm. me. Um, will we be seeing? Are you going to the spring game? Uh, oh yes, I have my ticket. Um, okay, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I don't know how that's going to work with forty thousand people having GA seats trying to jam in there. <laughs> that'll be interesting. That'll be fun. I'm sure there'll be no fights. 
<laughs> uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to the spring game. Uh, there will okay. be some alumni band events. Uh, for those of you uh, of that of that persuasion, there will be some alumni event uh, alumni band events uh, alongside. I know there's a picnic. Our annual uh, alumni band picnic will be in conjunction with the alumni game or the uh, the, the spring game. Uh, we will be out and about. Nice. Um, I'm, I would bet, and maybe it won't take this long to get these guys in here, but Tad loves using football games for recruiting. I wonder if that is going through his head. I don't know well, what the transfer window looks how, like. How, but... how good does Tad look having one of the suites? Apparently, like, uh, Jeremy Bloom can't even get a suite. I'm pretty sure yes. Tad has a suite. Like, yes, damn, he does. man, that that is that is some thinking ahead right there. Good yeah, job. i i had a nice t- I had a nice talk with Ben Mills going up to Tad's suite last year um, in the TCU game. Um, so yeah, what? Shout you out Ben Mills. This. Yeah, um, the man. I love the first shout out. Yeah, you. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, the man who beat Joel Embiid so bad that he's scared <laughs> to come back to he altitude. Still won't play in Colorado <laughs> because of that. Yeah, um, yeah. Anyways, yeah, I, I wonder if that's going to be used for basketball. Um, it certainly will be for football. Um, and I, I, we both talked about it, but man, I want to see one of those donor functions where it's Tad Boyle and Dion giving giving talks back to back. Just incredible. Tad and his khakis. Oh yeah, that's good. Um, yeah. All right. Well, that was that was I think exhaustive and uh, and fully formed. So once again, thanks for coming on, Ben. Absolutely. Uh, look forward to the next run. Woo! We did it. Cody Williams season starts now. Buzz. Buzz. Buzz.